Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Dave Ninimitz. It's Dave Ninimitz. All right, welcome to the latest edition of Hear That Podcast. Growling, Paul Inner Jr., Dave Ninimitz of The Athletic are with you as we roll into Titans Week, heading down to Nashville. I'm, I'm thinking many of you are listening to this as you're on the road with high hopes of a, a great, fruitful weekend of fellowship in front of you uh and 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 you may and you may leave a little dejected by your own poor choices uh but that's what nashville is right i yeah. mean that's that's kind of what it's what it's all about so Bengals titans this sunday we're here to talk through it for you and get you there hopefully make your ride a little easier if you're listening on the drive down yeah get ready for some uh screeching bachelorette pedal bar Bachelorette party deals. That's always a, a must through yeah. uh, South Broadway. I don't know if anybody's ever done the pedal wagon per capita rate, like <laughs> ratio, never yeah. brought that down. But I mean, there's no way anyone's in the same stratosphere. No, as no. I mean, it's there are probably more pedal wagons than cars there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do love ensnarled traffic due to pedal wagons like yeah. that's always my favorite part is watching is like people are just honking on the horns like what yeah. did you think was going to happen when you walked down into the pedal wagon zone these people yeah. are very drunk trying to pedal on a bike you are not getting by them okay no. so you should no, have gone that's... a different way it's your fault that's just life in Nash Vegas. Yeah, it is. Uh, we so we got to win a bunch to get to. We're going to go down to Nash Vegas. We're going to talk to our good friend Joe Rexroad, uh, covering the Titans and much more uh, down there. So he'll have. He even has. He even has for you little non-tourist secrets on maybe a few places Ooh. you should go to to avoid pedal wag, bachelorette party screeching, and things like that. If you're not into that kind of a scene, so make yeah, sure but I could see being that. at like a like a historic war site and still a pedal wagon just goes, <laughs> just goes by like a cemetery. Screeching. Yeah, <laughs> <Great> tombstones. <laughs> Take my picture in front of one and post it on the gram. <laughs> Sorry, was that too much? Did I go too? No, much? but it's gonna happen. So Sorry. Uh Mo is going to join me here. We're going to talk about the Bengals offense. And of course, I've got big aliens news for him. Huge. With, with a little, a little hometown touch. It's got a special connection to Mo. And I'm going to kind of accuse him of something. All (laughs) of that is coming your way. That's exciting. Um, It's, it's a big show. And uh, so, but first I want to get you, get through a little bit of news here, Dave. Um, And you know what the news is? Do you know what the can you can you guess what the news is at, at Paycor Stadium right now? I mean, I want to say Taylor Swift is maybe dating a player, <laughs> but could it have to do with a calf? 
Oh boy, it's cap time. <laughs> Drum roll, please. Let's talk about Joe Burrow's calf again. Yes, Johnny. Tell them what they won. <laughs> right? Well, a few good man reference for you because we're we yeah. are still catering to our young demographic <laughs> as we continue to make movie references from the 80s and 90s uh joe bro's calf joe updated it a little bit uh on wednesday and, and basically you know his point was yeah it was sore the day after feeling better uh and gonna how important talking about how important these practices are gonna be he was full in the walkthrough they do like a late walkthrough after Monday night game so it's not really a full Wednesday practice but he he was out there uh but his plans are to be pretty full I believe in these next two practices and how important those are for him you know I asked him specifically he's such a creature of habit and mm-hmm. and he's like this preparation um savant so to speak like it's just a big part of who it's how he makes up for some of the other things that he doesn't have and it's been so disjointed yeah this whole preseason these practices last week was a roller coaster like everything about this year has felt disjointed from a preparation routine standpoint and kind of asked about if he felt that had been wearing on him or or affecting him and, and his point was these it really is important like these practices not having it you feel that out there when you see him sail one over the top that he never misses or you see a, a miscommunication you just rarely see so much of that for him goes back to that he when he feels like he hasn't gotten his reps when he feels like he hasn't gotten his prep he doesn't go out there it's comfortable it's like when you listen to this show dave Someone listens to this show and like, clearly Paul has not prepped today. <laughs> like, this is an obvious wing it show. We know the difference when you have something and you're ready and when you're just out here winging it. And I'm, I don't feel the same. I don't feel like the show's as good when I haven't done my prep. I feel like Burroughs mm-hmm. out there, no prep wing it Paul shows that some people have heard before and turned off, quite frankly. And I don't blame <laughs> Or maybe they're just wowed by my preparation, my ability yeah. to go, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> I prepare for that. That's work. But it's, you know, it's it's, uh, his point was, though, that's how important these practices are for, which 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 brought forth the next question of is it possible in his view? And and Kelsey Conway from the Acquirer asked this question to to continue to play and believe that you can get yourself fully back. It's really the, you know, the the one million dollar question here or. I guess the $275 million question yeah. here to be more precise. And, and I, and I think his point was correct. One is, yeah, it's just, you got to get through these games or these practices without a setback. These setbacks can happen at any time. And the chance of setback decreases incrementally with each week and the increase in the amount that he can do goes up each week, assuming you can just get through these practices and games clean. And that should be able to amount in a best case scenario to you being back to very close to your full self by the time you come out of that buy and and getting, you know, a little bit by a little bit, but you're still managing it. It's still a process. You're still going to be limited. Um, and I think that was kind of his point in his view of his understanding of it is that the practices are going to be important. Getting out there is going to be important. You still got to get through these games without setbacks. And then little by little, you'll be able to do more and more each week as it feels better and better. Yeah. I mean, that I think there's logic behind that, but I also think 
it's all well and good to talk that way. The second, though, that the calf gives out during a game and you lose them for two months or something, we're going to all be second guessing and Monday morning quarterbacking, pardon the pun. But um, that's I mean, I think that's just the gamble they're taking that he's taking right now. And if they get through it, then I think we'll look back and obviously we'll say they did the right thing. But, man, if things go sideways and it ends up being a lot more time than than what anyone thought, then we're going to look back at this and kind of cringe that that he thought he'd get better through it. Yeah. And, and there's, there's inherent risk in all of it, but you know, he, he talked about, you know, Aaron Rodgers, him and Aaron Rodgers kind of developing a little bit of a relationship here over the last couple of weeks in, in talking about, because Rodgers, if anyone that read, uh, you know, the, the calf mm-hmm. opus part one is yeah. one of the pre the prime examples who's played through it in multiple spots, including playing through it during a playoff run where he was basically immobile. Yeah. Um and and talking about how hard that was on him and it was a really tough injury. So Burrow said, you know, he's he, he's found Rogers to be a great resource and really picked his brain on playing with the calf injury and ways through it and and the real struggles with it. And that includes, you know, he talked about mechanics with his velocity, mm-hmm. um, and and that being a thing he's he's feeling out right now how to get the velocity that he needs without fully being able to twist and and push off of that calf and and. You're still he's getting enough. But again, when you're in the like not trusting your mechanics world, it's just it's how you end up off target 10 percent of the time more than. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, we saw that the other night. Um, I, I think it's something I mentioned the other day, too, is I think he's going to need to get some of that zip and some of that accuracy back, because now this is this is how teams moving forward are going to game plan for him is how they played against the Rams. So he's going to have to get better each week. I don't think they can go out and figure on throwing chase in the slot and trying to throw it to him every time for five yard patterns. Um, Teams are going to figure that out. So from the Bengals standpoint, hopefully he does kind of build a little bit each week off of it without getting hurt, but a lot of risk going on. Then again, it's football. You get hurt in football and guys are playing hurt every week. So it's just the difference is this is your $275 million guy that you need to win games. Yeah. And again, survive in advance has been the theme, which uh, leads us to having Mo Egger come uh, in and join us here in a second. So a news side, uh, not much else happening uh, as far as any big news. Injuries are pretty clean. Um, Charlie Jones sat out on Wednesday with a hand. Uh, but they, I think that would they they're not super concerned about that. Uh, but everybody else, you know, they're, they're outside of the one calf. Uh, really, they're they're as healthy as you could probably want right now. So, but let's dive more into this offense because this is what the story is right now. The defense is going to need to carry you. We'll get to that a, a little bit later when we start talking about where they're going. But um, this offense uh, and and finding ways to work through its limitations is the story of the day, the story of the week, probably the story of the next month in, in how they handle that. So let's go to this conversation with uh, our good friend, Mo Egger. All right, now let's bring in our good friend and yours, ESPN 1530s, Mo Egger to the program. Mo, what's going on? Oh, just basking in the glow of 1916. Uh, <laughs> it's... And we know what it was. I have to apologize to you off the bat on that. Yeah. Note. Okay. Uh, you know, the game ends. It's kind of chaos for us. We 
going to sprint down to the locker room. We got the press conferences and and do all our things. We come up and we got to record the podcast, got to crank out a story and try to get home sometime before 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the midst of that, you know, I was writing and I had a whole sort of survive and advance theme to my story <laughs> after the game. And as I come to prepare for this, I look through some of your old tweets and you had a very delightful survive ice the calf and advance tweet. And I thought that's a great tweet. And it looks like I totally stole this as a theme of my story. And I apologize that it comes off that way. I didn't even see it until just now, but I'll go with the old great minds think light. Although yours is better because I didn't drop an ice, the calf in the middle, which was way better. Uh, I don't know if you've heard from my lawyers yet, Yeah, (laughs) but uh, yeah, it was funny because I saw that in your piece and I I'm like, great. If if my mind is where Paul's is, I'm in a good place. And so yeah. on our, our show on Tuesday, Tony and Mo football show, I, I talked about it and I said, you know, even like Paul Daner Jr.'s piece used what I think is is the, the theme of Monday night, which was survive and advance. Uh, what's interesting to me is looking at some of the replies. There are folks who didn't get the reference. Yeah. Have you ever have you ever watched the NCAA tournament? Right. Are you, are you go into hibernation in March. Do, do you do you know? <laughs> So that, of course, was frustrating to me. But well, it's 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 funny. I actually I had a I had a twinge of a thought at like one forty five in the morning as I wrote something about like as we talk about uh, September rolling into October, it feels more like March survive in advance. And I'm thinking like <clears throat> for I had a half second. Everyone will get that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I moved on. Like, Everybody should get that. Yeah. Everybody, if you don't, what are you doing? That's on you. That's a why, you problem. Yeah, why do you have an athletic subscription? So, <laughs> yes. uh, so anyway, I, I, we've got there, – there's a lot of parts to survive in advance mm-hmm. that I want to dive into with you. And I have a very, very, very exciting thing that I want to bring up to you at the end of this regarding oh, wow. our, you know, our, our weekly dive into making sure that everyone is talking about aliens properly. Um, <laughs> so we'll get to that. Uh, so I want to make sure I set that up. But first, I'm going to start – uh, with a run passer boot for you because I like to do so. Oh, things. okay, all right. Um, get my pen out. Get your pen out. Um, this is this is kind of based on a story of dissecting and trying to figure out the path forward with the limited slash healing slash survive in advance calf situation on offense. Okay, mm-hmm. otherwise known as hashtag woes. Okay, okay. hashtag woes. Hashtag okay. woes. So run passer boot blame for the offensive hashtag woes um the no deep connections slash off script we'll kind of call that one thing creative plays explosives often created by burrows off script stuff and billy to hold the ball or play calling too much pass versus run or not enough of something or the other um as an as a proper adjustment or just general sloppiness, penalties, drops, uh, missed assignments, wrong routes, a lot of the stuff that we've seen permeating this team through the last couple of weeks. Run passer boot your primary blame uh, for where they're at. This is all under the guise of, yes, the calf is the big thing. Everyone recognizes yeah. that it is cut, touching everything, specifically on Monday, and will continue the Bengals hope less and less week by week as they go forward. But, you know, this is going to be a thing for a while. They've got to figure out a new path out. Where do you place the blame on, on where, you know, what needs to get better? 
so the verbiage that I apply to the first one is magic, right? Mm -hmm. The deep connections mm -hmm. off script stuff, because I, I've, I've thought about this a lot over the last couple of days. Um, admittedly, I, I never read the piece, but Dan Horde has often referenced something that he read prior to the 2020 draft, where it was one of these sort of analytical quarterback studies of Burrow, Tangavailoa, Herbert, the quarterbacks in that class. And then there was a scout or a personnel person who says, you know, Burrow has the one thing that you can't quantify, which is magic. Yeah. So what he's dealing with physically limits his ability to be a magician. And that's what we all love about him, right? It's the off script stuff. It's the ability to get out of trouble and make a great throw. He can't do that right now. He can't do the basic stuff. And as as much as this offense, the nuts and bolts of it, you know, should be uh, should work. At the end of the day, this offense really takes off if Joe Burrow is capable of doing Joe Burrow things They're, They got by. They functioned. Jamar Chase was terrific. They got by. But I walked away from Monday night going, are they going to try to win a Super Bowl by offensively just getting by? Does, is there anybody who thinks they can do that? No, they win the Super Bowl because there are going to be these moments during the season where Joe Burrow does, does Joe Burrow things. That, to me, is the foundation on which this offense really is built if you're talking about it being an elite group, a Super Bowl group. And so I start with that. I run with that. Joe can't be a magician, and I don't know when he's going to be able to be a magician. And if he can't be one later in the season, the ceiling for this team is for my money not very high. So I will I will run with that. Um I will I will pass on sloppiness because it's been a factor, but I think early in the season with the way that they've approached the preseason, you sort of feel like that's going to be built in. They were sloppy early in the season 2 years ago, but Joe can make magic downfield and it sort of erased all the sloppiness. Um it's it's a factor. You know, they had three false starts on, on one drive. Um, T. Higgins dropping passes. <clears throat> the just sort of general malaise of the offense. I, I'm, I'm going to pass on that, and let's revisit that in three weeks. Let's see if, with the passage of time, the sloppiness goes away. The play calling... If you read my Twitter uh, feed uh, to steal ideas from me, certainly you saw my frustration with uh, Joe throwing it 49 times. Um, you know, I, I brought up the Cleveland game in 2020 when he threw it 61 times, and we all nodded along and said, God, he can't throw it that many times. Well, in the context of that game, remember, I mean, they were down by multiple scores for most of the night. They kind of had to. They didn't have to have him set that pace. Obviously, the pace slowed because they handed it off a bunch in the fourth quarter, and he never eclipsed 50, but still – quarterback who's physically compromised we're asking him to throw it more than 40 times in a close low scoring game when the passing game is not working as a general rule what are we doing but what was the theme after the game a lot of that is joe's decision making who do we trust we trust joe burrow so to me if you're going to play him you sort of have to understand he's he's going to play his way which is if if i see a look that tells me i should pass i'm going to pass I am going to boot that, even though I will say that if in the next couple of weeks, if he's dropping back between 40 and 50 times or more than 50 times, it, it feels like a recipe for disaster.
I I totally agree with you. I, I think the the thing the thing that is is mostly missing here is you. How many times have you seen where it's we referenced last year? Maybe one of the biggest plays of the entire season was Joe Burrow in New Orleans on third and eight, right? And yeah. it's just yes, the play scram- of the season. We pulls, talked about that on your podcast. Pulls, play of the season. It pulls something out of nowhere when they absolutely have to have it and and makes a play, right? And 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 that's a third down conversion. And then they go on to, you know, to do great things. But and maybe a footnote in a normal game. And, and then instead you get a punt here, right? Mm-hmm. Think about it. They were able to kind of roll out once and it was a 43 yard gain. Okay. Yeah. That's that's it. That's as close as they could get to even getting him moving. And, and I mean, you've now watched three games of him standing there as forty-five-year-old Tom Brady offense. And it was funny. Ted Karras actually referenced Tom. You know, I mm-hmm. blocked for Tom for a number of years, and I'm used, so I understand it. That's the offense they're playing. They're playing forty-five-year-old Tom Brady, and that's fine. Like he won a super bowl like you, yeah. you can you can do it like this but what makes them go what makes them special is when things break down and he starts creating and and they're able to get guys open and next thing you know now you have where your mismatches exist with your three receivers just running free and mm-hmm. burrow making plays and that's that that could happen once twice maybe three times a game well that's the difference between scoring 27 30 points and scoring 19 or yeah. scoring two touchdowns instead of kicking two field goals and and to me that's the biggest thing that's missing that's not coming back soon everything has to be more structured right yeah everything has to be like the offense when you think of uh tom brady in the latter stages of his career everything had a specific structure and you know you even saw it the last two years if a play broke down tom struggled because he was in his mid-40s yeah and so you know you you think of Boy, the Kansas City Chiefs have a great system. Andy Reid's a Hall of Fame coach. Uh, They have terrific offensive players. But what makes the Chiefs different? Patrick Mahomes can do insanely magical things. Lamar Jackson, we saw it to a degree against the Ravens week two. You even go back, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers when they had Ben Roethlisberger, the idea wasn't to have him shake nine dudes climbing on him, right? But he could do stuff without outside the framework of the offense that, that made that team go a little bit further offensively. Without Joe being able to do that, this structured offense doesn't take off. Now, you know, maybe maybe they can have more Dax Hill, Logan Wilson heroics, and, and maybe the punting game gets better and they can win low-scoring field possession football games. Maybe, you know, what they've tapped into in the, into the running game can, can expand. And, you know, maybe guys can do a better job of getting open within the framework of a highly structured offense that doesn't allow Joe to do magical stuff, but... You know, oftentimes you reference this, you would hear last year, like just spread him out, let Joe do his thing. Well, Joe doing his thing requires him to be healthy and he's not. And so you have to change, I think, your outlook for the offense. And I think to a degree, they have to change how they coach it. And we have to change our expectations for it. Yeah, that's that's kind of where, you know, this is the NFL. Okay, there aren't going to be quarterbacks the great quarterbacks the super bowl winners that are going to be able to sit in the pocket and do manning brady type stuff anymore i mean it's so rare you know all think of think of all the great quarterbacks in today's game i mean you you have to have that element you just have to there's yeah. there's no way around it 
I, I just as as we're talking about this, I think back. I hate to keep doing this. I think to to Andy Dalton's best years. Now, Andy, for all of his positive attributes, you wouldn't say you would never reference Andy Dalton magic, right? But <laughs> boy, that one year you were talking about his hair. Okay, well, make a fair point. But the one year where everything came together, the offensive yep. line was great, and they coached him up and and taught him. Hugh Jackson did how to get rid of the ball quickly, and they had great skill guys and they had insane health and they had a terrific defense and everything was perfect. And Andy thrived. Now it feels like everything's got to be perfect. And with, with burrow to this point, it's you know what? He's going to make up for your flaws. Uh, he's, he's going to, he's going to make up for whatever deficiency your team uh, is, is figuring out a way to live with. Well, now he's limited. Now he's probably still better than Andy Dalton at his best, but, now you're looking at the team going, okay, things have to be perfect. The pass protection has to be perfect. The wide receivers have to be perfect. This defense has less of a margin for error. Special teams has to be perfect. Um, that's not how we've talked about the Bengals over the last couple of years. We've talked about them going, okay, good roster, but if this unit is dinged up, you got Joe Burrow. Or uh, you might not like the play calling, but you got Joe Burrow or this defense is designed to take this part of their offense away, but you got Joe Burrow right now. They don't have that Joe Burrow. Yeah. And, and they even have, you know, when we talk about sloppiness too, a guy who has been limited in the amount of practice work that he's been able to do um, as well. And between the preseason and the lead up to this game and, and in and out a little bit, even before this, it's everything has just been, I keep coming back to wonkiness or I like wonkiness. This I whole with, uh, season, uh, clunky. I, I'm, Clun- I, I'm, yeah, not as not the offense. This the the season to this. Okay, point for him, yeah. there's yes. a wonkiness to it, and this guy is the ultimate creature of habit, of routine, of routine, of prep being his differentiator because he doesn't have all the physical tools of some of these other guys, and and he's not been able to do. That's why when you see his percentages down 10, 15% in accuracy and, or just, you see these miscommunications there, you're just so not, they, they look so uncharacteristic for him. Mm-hmm. Part of that too, isn't necessarily everyone wants to say, Oh, there's the calf can't drive. Can't, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Clearly there's some to that, but I think a lot of that is also just, this guy's just not getting his work in and he needs that and recognizes yeah. the need for that. And then so you come back to survive in advance. So Monday night, yes. big sigh of relief, right? They couldn't go 0-3. They didn't go 0-3. They they eked out a win, and Joe suffered no apparent setbacks. That's great. But the advanced part is, okay, is this really what we're going to do all season long? Uh, are, are we really going to be spending every week going, okay, Joe limited. Uh, he went through the walkthrough. He took some reps in the walkthrough. Uh, another cart ride with Mike Brown, which – Oh dear, well, I, I have so many questions about that. Yeah, we can go um, there. Morning workout. Uh, we're all going to be like monitoring every step he takes in pregame warm. I mean, are, are we going to do this all season long? We better not. If the answer is yes, they're not winning a title. No, they're, and, they're not winning much of anything. Right. So, and and like that's that's the idea here this season. You picked him to win the Super Bowl, right? Like yeah. that's so. I I, I just. I spend a lot of time after the game going like this, this isn't sustainable. This, this is week three. I mean, it, it, it feels like they've played a full season in less than a month 
uh, this is going to be exhausting as a fan. And it just, it doesn't feel like it's going to work. And so what's the solution, right? You know, nobody wants, you know, for a lot of folks, Joe's back. And that means he's back. Okay. Is there going to be a point where from a physical standpoint, we revisit the idea of sitting him, you know, Tony and I talked on Tuesday about, can you get through these next two games and then maybe sit him for the Seattle game and he gets three weeks. Nobody wants to deal with that. Seattle's pretty good. Who knows if they win these next two games, but he's really going to play uh, 14 games in 15 weeks. And, and this is how it's going to be. Or on a weekly basis, he's barely going to be on the practice field and he's going to show up on Sunday and give it a go. But we're going to watch more of that. If the answers are yes, you have a hard time convincing me that this team can get to where we all think it could go. So that to me is the real takeaway. Yes, they won. And on Monday night, that's all that matters. But now as you project ahead, if this is how it's going to be, even if just for a while, that's very, very sobering. Yeah. And I think you, your scenario right now is you reset who you are. You reset your expectations from now through that bye week. And you just hope to get there and hope that you have gotten yourself to 500, maybe better. And you can feel at once you come out of that, you're restarting your season with, with the real, at that point, you know, you're deep, you're a month into this, Mm -hmm. uh, where you're hoping if there, you have no setbacks over that entire course of time, week over week, you have gradually gained confidence. You've gradually gotten him back to feeling like he can do more of the things or maybe all close to all of the things that you expect. And this becomes, just the the storyline of the early part of the season. I do think that this will be something that is managed for the duration of the season during the week. But I do think that, you know, you can, you can have it where you feel like at that point you're ready to ride. And and so by the time you are certainly in December and January, you are in and you're yourself and you're everything that you want to be in your full throat burrow and this offense, everything you wanted it to be. To me, it's just a matter of how do you get to that point now? Yeah. And because like you, this, this ain't it. You're not going to win a ton of games the way that they've been doing it. But I do think that there's ways out of it. And that does involve everybody else being better, which goes back to sloppiness. Like yes, this, this stuff, like penalty, like T Higgins, man, this can't be it. No. Okay. No, you, 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 you could, you are needed. Like it, we we talked to T during the week and he pointed out, yeah, you know, we we have to be able to do our things. We're gonna do our so we have to be able to be the ones to help out. Well, you can't be the problem. Okay. <laughs> you, you you can't be the problem on a night when the quarterback can't move and he puts it on your hands twice and once in the red zone or come in an OPI on the one. Like you can't be the problem. You it can't be a problem where Joe Mixon can't sneak out on a screen that's wide open. It mm-hmm. can't be a problem that guys are running the wrong routes. It can't be a problem uh, that you have three false starts on third down by veterans. Like that, that's the stuff that kills you in your, in you getting this damn ship to where Burroughs all the way back. And that, and, and they're lucky the way the schedule sets up because it's something that if just playing clean and getting more of, of what they got from the defense can get them there. But they they can't without the magic they have to be clean within the structure to get there and then hope that on the other side of it you're able to start really being yourself yeah i mean the three things you the three things you threw at me 
you know, two, two of them have to be better to compensate for the one not being very good. So, you know, along with that, I, I think a good coaching staff and a smart quarterback really need to get together and go, okay, are we going to have you throw it 30 times and a half? Does that make sense? Does that make sense for us long-term? Um, and, you know, you might say, well, you, you can't play that way. Well, why not? Uh, you know, I mean, game plans are always designed around what you have, what your deficiencies are, what the opponent brings to the table. And, and yeah, th- there might be a game in which, you know what, it's it's a shootout or Joe's got to bring him back and he's got to throw it more. But, you know, uh, Joe and Zach both talked about after the game, like, you know, this Joe's got the option to run it or pass it. He chose to pass. Okay. But you coach him during the week and he's a smart guy. Look, <laughs> we, we, for the time being, especially while Joe Mixon looks pretty good. I keep yeah. coming back to that. He looks pretty good as his, you know, the, um, the, the runs for negative gains in the fourth quarter sort of skewed the numbers, but, uh, his fourth down run was terrific. I thought he ran powerfully. The cutback for the touchdown was vintage Joe Mixon. Like, sign me up for what you're getting from him. You can't lean on that a little bit more yeah. in games that are close. Um, I, I, and so I, I think, obviously, everybody else has to be better. Everybody else has to be better. The entire operation needs to be cleaner. But I, I, I do think that the coaches and Joe and maybe the offensive unit as a whole need to get together to sort of talk about this is going to, here's how we get through the the coming weeks. And the best way to get through the coming weeks isn't in a 1916 game to have Joe uh, throw nearly 50 passes. Yeah. I mean, you know, I sort of put up there today the, the when the game's been within 10 points and the rushing efficiency has been terrible. I mean, it's been 30, 31st, compared to 10th last year. And it's like, that's the thing is there's been more flash. Mixon's looked better, which is why it's surprising to be like, but on a consistency basis, they have not been able to get efficient rushes to keep them on track. And, and I think that's made them reluctant to go to it. The question is, do you say, well, let's get that better and keep leaning into it, which could potentially put you in more third and long dangerous situations. Or do you just let Joe keep doing quick game and, and give up on it. And I think that's something they got to figure out how the hell you know, do do you find ways to get the running game to be more efficient right now? Because you can't be reluctant or feel like it's killing you to to lean on it. Um, but that may be part of where they're at, and that's on them. Like that's on the staff. Mm-hmm. It's on Frank Pollock. That's on Brian Callahan. That's on them to feel to get that thing where they're comfortable leaning more into it. Because you can't sit there and say, "Well, it's not efficient." We can't. You need to make it. You need to get that thing going, and whether that's more motions, more creative runs, and mm-hmm. that's hard to do because they can't go under center. Like they can't, yeah. you know, they can't switch <laughs> it up and go under center and do what try wide zone a couple of times or or try to something that where the quarterback has to make a little bit of a move. You're you're static, you know, mm-hmm. and so maybe we need to go. Let's go, Dolphins, Ricky Williams, <laughs> Wildcat. Wildcat, yes. Go full wildcat to try to get the uh to get the running game going. Maybe that's maybe that's what it is. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, let's we, we we've covered uh, enough enough of this expectations reset this thing is not going to suddenly turn into 10 game win streak Bengals putting it up huge points they are going to have to grind out some wins here for the next you know through this bye week I think and 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 then hope that they take off after that the good news is I think that's very much possible and it's something they should be they are very capable of doing and they just need to hope that little by little they can start to kind of more become that team unless unless they decide to turn the team over to the prodigal son, number four, Mm. A.J. McCarron. Oh, bring him back. He's here. He's ready. He's ready. I, I, if you didn't know better and you were looking at social media, you would have thought that 29-year-old Boomer Esiason had just signed with the team. (laughs) A.J. McCarron who was a terrific guest on this podcast last week. He was. And frankly, I would trust him more than I would trust Jake Jake Browning to win a game right now. He has started five NFL contests in his NFL career. (laughs) I don't know that there's ever been a guy who has played less than half of a season's worth of NFL games who has ever gotten more publicity, hype, has generated more excitement than A.J. McCarron, who hasn't even been signed to the active roster. No, I just I'm fascinated by this and it's no knock on AJ. Like, again, it makes all the sense in the world for him to come back. I think it's cool as hell. He got a chance to play and have his sons watch him. And it it makes I'm thrilled he's back in the NFL. And and I'd love to see him get a chance to play in a game at some point that doesn't matter here. But I just is has there been a more revered backup quarterback aside from Boomer when he was backing up Jeff Blake in the 90s? Has there been a more revered backup quarterback in Bengals history? Was Kitna held in this regard when he was backing up Carson Palmer? Was Jack I mean, Thompson held in this regard when he was backing up Kenny Anderson? Look, it's it's the ultimate backup quarterback situation. Make one have one game. And it can get you 10 years of NFL checks, right? Oh, Chase yes. Daniel, right? Yes. I mean, have one moment and next and, and Bengals fans will always be like, McCarron's gonna come in here and it's gonna be AJ to AJ all over again, right? I I I, I like here's the thing, because they're in a mm-hmm. situation where somebody comes in, and he better not be in like, you know, yellow pants mode. Okay. And better <laughs> you need somebody that you least know is gonna come in and be confident. That's yeah. played in big, big games. No a doubt. Moment's not gonna Makes all the sense him. in the world. Yes. Makes all the sense in the world. But you know what he's not going to come in and be? Joe Burrow. Correct. Or, or Jake Browning, probably. Yeah. Uh, he'll probably be more like Trevor Simeon. And that's okay. But, like, you know, it's 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 a one of the – it's it's who it is. It's, it's everybody sees the throw. It's over and over again in their head to A.J. Green, and that was it. People forget that they had th- three quarters of spinning their – 
tires in that game, by the way. I, I, I've referenced this to others, you know, in that game, there's a camera shot and like midway through the third quarter of Andy Dalton on the sideline with this look on his face, like, yeah, not, not that easy, is it? Right. Yeah, because yeah. AJ was struggling so much. And again, I, I listened to your, your chat with him and, and he was awesome and I root for him and I'm thrilled that he's back. And, you know, I, I think there should be a place in the NFL for him. I, I think he's probably one of the best 70 or so quarterbacks in this country right now. And so yeah. there's, should be a place in the NFL. And if, if God forbid you had to get him ready to play, you know, you, you would have confidence that he'd be ready to go. <laughs> well, I don't know really what that would look like, but I just, I'm, I'm fascinated by the infatuation yes. with AJ McCarron. And yeah. it's, that's no, I'm not making fun of AJ McCarron. I'm just, I've always been infatuated with the infatuation with him. And so Watching the Bearcats play on Saturday and then sort of over here witnessing the social media. I don't know what you would call it, but but there was a lot of excitement for a guy who has started five five NFL games. Yes. In a decade. Um I have I have far more important news that we have to get okay. to though. Yeah. Okay. And that is the latest in uh UFO alien <laughs> updates. So we got to make sure we're, I want to, I, you know, we, I said last week, I want to make sure that we're carrying the torch for something that's just not talked about enough. We've discussed this. Mm-hmm. Um, so this week in a, in our alien news, it hits close to home for you, Mo. And uh, I just want to point this out. I, I am amazed. Here's a headline. NBC nightly news inadvertently catches UFO on camera. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is uh, a story from September 22nd. Uh, So just a few days ago, the end of last week, Mm -hmm. uh, it says the southwestern part of the country has been a hotbed for UFO activity for many decades. It's where UFOs rumored to have crashed in Roswell in 1947, home of the infamous Area 51. The government may or may not house extraterrestrial crafts. Over the past few years, there have been hundreds of strange sightings in Arizona, New Mexico, uh, Nevada, and some have been he caught on camera, including one that was inadvertently filmed by NBC Nightly News. Yeah, I'm intrigued. OK, yes. it happened during reporter Cynthia McFadden's story about Arizona's Navajo Nation dealing with the state's water crisis during the pandemic. OK, mm-hmm. my, my ears perked on that. Yeah. Uh, at one point in this piece, Native Americans could be seen playing instruments and singing, but above them, an unidentified disc-shaped object bursts through some clouds and flies across the sky. You can watch the whole thing that is at the 246 mark. So I go in, I watch the video. Of mm-hmm. course, I'm intrigued. Yeah. I mean, this is this is a story, <laughs> an incredible yes. headline. I, I, you know, I'm amazed. I go, it's clearly just a plane flying over top of this woman's head during this <laughs> And and I'm like, okay, so that was a plane going over top of her head during this report, which was done during the pandemic. Right. Okay. So this is the headline four days ago. NBC Nightly News inadvertently catches UFO on camera. It's something that a plane flew over a report. uh, I'm I'm literally watching it right now. Yes. And you know where you're watching it? On iHeart. (laughs) com, Which brings me to this, Mo. I know your dedication to this. Yes. It says it's by Dave Bassner. Are you? 
Is that your pen name? Yes, Dave Bassner. That's right. You've you got go me. by Dave Bassner, Mo, over on iHeart. You're like, we need this out here. You've just been scanning. You found something from three years ago. And you were like, wait, wait, this happened. This happened. Okay, this needs to get out yes. there. I'm posting but I'm not it putting my name on it. What can yeah. I come up with? Dave, Dave Bassner. Bassner it is. <clears throat> yes. <laughs> Who, by the way, sounds like a backup quarterback. Uh, yes. Yeah. I. So I well, So I just typed in, and I went to YouTube while you were talking, and I typed in Cynthia McFadden UFO. And the first yeah. result that came up is a video. Cynthia, Cynthia McFadden used to work at McDonald's. So I'm going to watch that a little bit later. So then I, 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 it says it UFO hits NBC's evening news and uh, there's the report and yep. okay. There's uh the water shortage. There's a, somebody beating a drum yes. and then there's an airplane flying overhead. Yes. That's, that's, that's it. Dave Bassner. Dave Bassner.com is, is like, this has to go. How did that get up on September 22nd, 2023 that a plane flew over top? of a NBC nightly news report three years ago. And Dave Bassner and see, Dave Bassner is all over it though. So now you're going to make me. That's Dave. all. I just want to, I just want to, <laughs> I just want to make sure. Can we get Dave? Can we get Dave on the, on one of your programs? Well, it says here that uh, Dave Bassner, the last uh, article he contributed to uh, iHeart.com. If you smell cucumbers in your house, it could be a very dangerous issue. <laughs> Dave Bassner, my colleague. He oh, I apparently only covering the big stuff. I just wanted to I wanted to know I'm I'm proud uh of iHeart for for their dedication and I just am kind of assuming that this is you making sure that this stays out there and I'll keep I'll keep looking for you. No, no doubt about it. Yeah, I mean I'm in, I'm I'm glad that we've made this sort of a, a regular feature of the show, but but I I keep coming back to the original point. Um we have had, quote, non-human biologics found at a UFO crash site, and nobody cares. Also, okay. how does the impending government shutdown impact UFO research? Yeah. Next week on Hear That Podcast, growling. <laughs> All right, Mo, I appreciate it. Uh, Mr. Bassner, I should say. Uh, thanks, for, uh, thanks for coming on, and uh, I will uh, talk to you soon. You can follow Dave Bassner on Twitter at or X. At Dave Bassner. <laughs> I'm doing it immediately. Fa. You can also go to DaveBassner.tumblr.com. All right. So Dave Bassner has gotten more uh, pub than I think he woke up thinking he was going to get today. So congratulations. Little did he know today was his day. This All right. Day. We'll talk to you later, Mo. I'll see you, man. Thanks. See you. All right. Great. Catching up with Mo or whatever. Uh, pen name he's using over at iHeart.com to <laughs> write about alien crafts <laughs> that are just airplanes flying over top of NBC nightly news reports. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> Look, that's neither that's neither here nor there. I, I want to we talk about things that are tough to understand. Here's my great this here's a segue for you, Dave. Things that are tough to understand and know exactly what they are. Let's talk about pre-snap motion. <laughs> yeah, man, that's so smooth. <laughs> It's so smooth what I just did. Uh, this was an interesting conversation. You know, you come to hear that podcast growling. You, I, I, I occasionally want to try to bring you some things that maybe you didn't expect or just that are interesting to me. And um, there was an interesting conversation we were able to have with Brian Callahan about motion. Uh, 
um, because the thought of helping in, in invigorate this offense and breathe some life into it. And we even saw some of it the other night is them using these Miami motions. Now we're mm-hmm. calling them these short outs, um, which is kind of a variation of the old fly motion, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that to kind of spring people open. Now when it's Tyreek Hill, it looks pretty damn dynamic. Uh, <laughs> yeah. When you're scoring 70 points and touchdowns uh, uh, as an offense, it looks pretty, but it's brought this idea of if everyone just motioned on every play, they'd mm-hmm. all score 70 points. And I think it, yeah, you, it can certainly be helpful, but it really depends on who your quarterback is. Everything needs to be thought of through the eyes of the QB. And, and that's why I kind of really liked this conversation with Brian Callahan about motion, because last year, the Bengals had the lowest rate of play action and second lowest rate of pre-snap motion. That was via Warren Sharp's uh, sort of pre-season preview extravaganza. If you haven't read that, I recommend it. It's got every analytic you can imagine, but that's who they've been. I mean, they've been a very static offense. They don't really do a lot of big pre-snap motions like you see elsewhere or that the like the Rams with Zach Taylor there on their staff at Sean McVay uh, did before they came here where every they were kind of one of the originators of all that movement. And uh, that that's not been who they've been here. And so it was kind of talking a little bit with with Brian uh, about that. I want to bring that conversation in his piece about it. Fo- also with asking Zach Taylor, kind of like a follow-up about the evolution of motion from his time with the Rams and his view of it here as well on the back of it. So, so here, here's Brian Callahan and Zach Taylor uh, talking about, Hey, why not a little bit more motion? Why wouldn't you be doing that more? Those, those short motions have sort of become the new fly motions, which we've, we've everyone's done to some degree for the last couple of years. Um, and you see it show up a little bit here and there, uh, but Miami sort of done a lot more of it. They've done a good job of, of incorporating it, but really it's just a abbreviated fly motion. So instead of coming from across the formation, they'd start on the same side, and um, you know you can play with it, and you can you can create softness and, and motion and out of stacks, and give the defensive guys things to communicate on. And it's um, something that we've we've toyed with a little bit, even in the past years. Um, not as much as you're seeing it now and across the league. And then we've added some more elements that we think fit us um, as, as you as you study the league and study what people are doing um, to put guys in good positions. And so that's kind of where it's all stemmed from. You guys have typically not done a ton of motion. Mm-hmm. You're more static. Well, teams, do, everyone's like, well, why doesn't everyone just do 80% motion like some of these teams that are yeah. having so much success? What's, what's the philosophy behind that for you guys and being more static? Uh, all motion is not created equal. Um, what are you motioning for? Is the uh, is to me always the um, the starting point. Are, are you motioning for a reason? Does the motion uncover something about the defense? Um, does it give you a, a pressure tell? You know when you're going to get a blitz. Does the front lock when the Y is when the Y moves? Is the fly motion distort the defense? What are you trying to get out of it? Um, and just saying that motion equals success, I think, is a I think it's a very blanket way to look at motion. Um, the advantage of being static sometimes is that now you know where everybody's going to be. You don't always know what the response is going to be to a motion. Um, some quarterbacks prefer that. They prefer to see – they want to see it lined up and see what it looks like. Um, but there's a there's a time and a place for it if it's if it 
has whatever the intent of the motion is, um, you're aware of the cause and effect. I think is the is probably the best way to put it. But um, I've been in offenses where we were static all the time and hardly ever motioned, and had a lot of success. And um, I've been in offenses where we motion quite a bit because it helps get guys open and free guys up. And you know you can't win just one on one sometimes. So um, there's a time and a place for it, I think. And, and we found that it's been. You know, the little bit that, that we've used in both ways, both static and with motion, um, that we've found ways to be successful. And I think is if you got a good mix of that and your motion has the right intention, uh, you can you can find some good stuff. Fair what to say about Burrow likes that? Burrow's likes the chess element of I know where all the pieces are and yeah. it's process or just kind of the way he's built is it yeah. fits him. I would say that's more. a that's a fair yeah. statement. I mean, he he likes to see the defense. He likes to see it spread out. Um, a lot of times when you're in motion formations, you're super condensed. Everything's tight, um, and you're motioning in and out of tight formations. Um, and some guys prefer it the opposite. Joe would, would probably lean to say, if I had all all things equal, I'd like to have everybody spread out and know where everybody's at, and, and I can diagnose from there. Um, not to say that you can't do the other, but that's probably a, a, a fair assessment. We were talking with Brian a little bit about motion, usage of motion. You guys are generally been kind of more of a static Team. I'm curious how your view of use of motion has evolved from the time with the Rams to where you guys are at, at now and your, your view of why you do or don't like to use it. Yeah, well, I mean, we're a lot more dropback based than we ever were at the Rams. You know, the Rams um, have become more dropback based, but when we were there, it was all under center, play action screens, naked, that was it. And so the, the motions and stuff create leverages and indecision and uh, conflict with the run in the pass. You know, we, we're a lot more drop back based, and so see the see the picture clearly. Uh, we got really good players, and so let everyone see it clearly and, and be able to win. Um, we spent a lot of time matching concepts with with coverages, you know, and so trying to give Joe the best answers possible. We, we spent a great amount of detail on that stuff, and um, so there's information that motions give you. There's leverages motions give you. There, there's things that it can help you with in all areas of your game, and. Sometimes you need that stuff to complement other things, but again, we don't want to overcomplicate it with with some of the guys that we have. Um, and that's not—I'm not saying that in a negative way. I'm saying that in a positive way. They're so smart, and so it's—you don't have to do all that stuff. Um, but again, there is information to be gained. There is advantages to be gained there. Um, I don't know what happens when we motion and stop. If that's not listed as a motion, or if that's a shift, I have no idea. We gain the same information, um, but that's that's just kind of part of it. So Dave, there's a there's a phrasing that I used on purpose with the my question to Brian, and that's like, you know, the word chess. I feel like Burrow views everything through that chess lens. He's a chess player. He's he plays. He views himself as a chess quarterback. Like mm-hmm. the fact of static. I know where all the pieces are. Okay, I don't need thing. I don't want things in motion that are changing as we go. Not that you can't handle that or that can't be advantageous, but the idea of here's the pieces now, boom, boom, boom. I know how to, I know, I know what you're doing and not, the picture is not going to change. And that's an advantage for me when I have guys that I know can win matchups or, or, or what you're doing. And and it feels like that's his advantage. I feel like that's kind of a good way to, to, to think of his approach and why maybe yeah. that's his comfort zone is yeah things of the game as chess. Well, and as you said before, you're looking at it through the lens of the quarterback. If that's what the quarterback's comfortable with, you want to lean into what he's comfortable with. So that makes total sense. And clearly Tua is very comfortable with what they're doing in Miami. I, I think it's 
kind of a fool's errand to start just copycatting Miami, thinking you can do what they do when they have a four by 100 team out there as their receivers and running backs. But um, they did use it some the other night. But uh, yeah, if that if what works for Burrow is keeping it kind of static, that's probably a good thing. And, you know, I, I go back to you see plays like where Chase was running those drags underneath and you see him in motion to get a head start. And kind of mm-hmm. that was sort of referenced with Brian a little bit. I mean, there are times you're going to see them use it. We saw them use it to kind of just add some communication on the outside, maybe to get T Higgins free on a release or or just switch up the one and the two, whatever it is. Um, you're going to see some of that stuff, but the bottom line to remember as to why the Bengals offense doesn't look like some of these others is because their quarterback prefers that it doesn't mm-hmm. and, and, and to keep that in mind. But I thought that was a really interesting kind of maybe a little deep in the weeds as far as football conversation, but something to keep in mind when you're kind of analyzing some of the potential answers they can have as they try to work through uh, the calf limitations conversation. All right. So let's go to what's next for the Bengals in this potentially limited offense and and how they can go and win and try and survive and advance next. And for that, we need to go down to Tennessee and talk to our good friend, our our Nashville All Things Tennessee columnist, Joe Rexroad. So uh, let's let's do it. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, now we're going to move over to Nashville, Tennessee, a place that many of you are excited to drive down to and 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 visit as as many are one to do when Nashville and Tennessee Titans show up on your schedule. For that, we're going to go to our friend down there, Joe Rexroad. What's going on, Joe? Not much, Paul. Yeah, I would imagine there'll probably be some Bengals fans in the uh, in the stands. So if anybody you know needs any restaurant racks, you can find me on Twitter or you know, X or whatever the heck it is. You know, it's become a regular stop now. I mean, this is three straight years that uh, the Bengals have made the the trip down to Tennessee and it's a uh, you know it's an it's an easy drive it's a fun town uh so it makes for uh one of the more popular ones on the uh on the road menu so to speak and uh y- you know Nashville never lets us down I feel like yeah I just want to let people know there there is more to Nashville than lower Broadway there's more <laughs> to Nashville there's a lot of other cool spots so remember that you know it's funny Paul I actually uh, I had this convoluted trip in which I went to see my kid at Michigan State, and I drove last week, and I went to uh, – so I drove to Cleveland, so I drove home from Cleveland. 
And so I just want you to know that I absolutely stopped and loaded up on Skyline uh, as I went through Cincy <laughs> on my way home. There you go. Pandering will get you everywhere. I, <laughs> they appreciate it here. Um, yeah, no, we, we, we what is, so like, give me that real quick. Where, where should, what is the non lower Broadway spots that you, that you start with when, when people are coming to town? Well, my favorite area of Nashville is East Nashville. So it's just across the river. And there's a lot of really cool restaurants and bars over there. Um, but West End, where Vanderbilt is, which all of this yeah. is very close. There's a lot of cool stuff there. Hillsborough Village, 12 South is good. But it, even if you if you want to be now, this is kind of a secret that I'm like this. This is a non-tourist secret that wow. the locals know. I want you. So I want you to cherish this. You know, yeah. you have lower Broadway. All you do is you go up a couple blocks and you have this place called Printer's Alley. OK, and it's kind of like it's I feel like about 85 percent of the tourists who are on lower Broadway don't know about it. But it's some really awesome places. Rainbow Room. Um, Fleet Street Pub, which is this British pub. There's great food over there, Black Rabbit. I feel like I'm in the, you know, the Chamber of Commerce right now. But <laughs> check out, check out Printer's Alley. It's really cool, and it's like a very short walk from Lower Broad. This is what people get when they tune into HTPG. We give you the the true insider stuff. As you're you're on this drive, I'm just envisioning people, you know, putting this into their notes app on their phone right now as they're on the drive down uh, <laughs> to Nashville. And hopefully, everybody will uh, heed this advice. Well, let's let's talk about what where people are going to be going to on Sunday, though, and uh, that's to watch the Bengals play the Titans again. These games have had a very familiar feel two years in a row. I mean, the scores sort of dictate that, but I think the way the game has played, they've been physical, they've they've been close, they it's been a play here or there. What how how does you know how, how do the Titans teams this year compare to those? Are they still needing to or trying to win in, in a similar fashion or has their dynamic change have they as they've sort of turned over a little bit over the last year or two? Well, it's a lot of the same, you know, it's the same defensive scheme and personnel. So, you know, it's a lot of what Bengals fans have seen on, on that front. You know, and obviously the Titans have done a, a good job defensively. No Jamar Chase last year certainly helped the Titans. But, I mean, I think the Titans have done well, obviously, sacking Joe Burrow nine times in that in that playoff game. And as I don't need to tell anybody listening, you know, the, the offensive line is completely different uh, from then to now. But the big change for the Titans is on the offensive side of the ball. It is a new offense this year. It's basically the Patriots-Texans offense that Tim Kelly brought with him from Houston. Tim Kelly was, you know, elevated quickly under Bill O'Brien um, in Houston. He was with them at Penn State. And, you know, he and Vrabel worked together there. So he's here replacing Todd Downing. Todd Downing got fired after last year after the offense really nosedived in his second year. So early returns are de it definitely is different. Um, now, any return on the Titans' offense from last week is that it is dreadful. And, you know, <laughs> I mean, there was nothing doing of anything uh, against the Cleveland Browns in Cleveland. Completely dominated. So right now, the Titans are you know back to the drawing board in a lot of ways. Week two, it actually scored touchdowns. Actually scored three touchdowns. The Titans have scored three this year. They were all in that second game against the Chargers. So, you know, Derrick Henry's still, to me, a very good – He he's the same guy he was last year. The Bengals did a fantastic job against him. The Bengals have done a fantastic job against him. But they have added Ty J. Spears, a rookie running back from Tulane. And the idea being, one, I think that he's his successor – eventually right now it would be next year but also he is definitely a a, a much quicker kind of 
uh, immediately dynamic, sudden player, which I think is a good compliment to what you have with Derrick Henry. But, you know, the, one thing you're going to notice, you know, they, they run a lot less. So like the outside zone, they used to be so bread and butter zone running scheme. They, they run more gap stuff. They try different things. Um, the creativity, again, I actually worked in the first two weeks. They schemed up some good stuff. Again, last week, couldn't block anyone. Couldn't block a soul. Uh, it's a bad offensive line. Without first-round pick Peter Skaronsky, who is this team's best offensive lineman, he had an appendectomy. The last two weeks he has not played, it is, you could make the case, the worst offensive line in the NFL. So that's what the, you know, and so I mean, like, that pass rush, which looked really good against the Rams, has a chance to do a lot of damage in this game. Well, you know, there's a lot of things that Bengals fans can connect to there. One, uh, looking dreadful against Cleveland feels familiar. Uh, (laughs) Appendectomies to important players feels familiar around here, too. (laughs) And I I also believe there was a pre-draft Tajay Spears hive that existed as the Bengals were one of the teams that were certainly uh, hunting third down and and change of pace running backs and and fell in love with what he did in his tape coming out of two lanes. So there's a lot of there's a lot you're preaching to uh, to Bengals fans right now that they're quite familiar with. Uh, It's 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 been one of these things where where are they at with Ryan Tannehill right now? I mean, I, I guess I came into last offseason thinking like, okay, here comes the flip. Will Levis shows up. Is, is it time to move on? It feels like they're hanging on to something here. And what are they hanging on to? Where is he at early on in, in the way that he's played? Yeah, it's really interesting, Paul, because, of course, as you know, I mean, two years ago, the Titans – are the number one seed in the AFC and they've got yeah. two home wins to get to the Super Bowl and the Bengals ruined it. And obviously Tannehill, you know, in this town, I mean, he's always going to be remembered that you threw three picks, you threw a pick on the first play of the game. You, you essentially won the game for them with a forced pass late as the third pick. And so, you know, it all for one, for one thing on Tannehill at that point, everyone's like, okay, he's got to go. And he's still here. Um, another point, there is that the Titans still feel like they're not that far from that team. The problem is a lot of those great players are obviously two years older. Guys like Kevin Byard and the safety, Jeff Simmons. Jeff Simmons still on his prime, but, you know, Derrick Henry, of course. So to answer your question, Paul, first of all, I think this last offseason was kind of exploring the rebuild for the Titans, but not finding what they liked hearing. And so ultimately decided to run it back one more time with Ryan Tannehill at quarterback and Derek Henry at running back. They're both in their last years. And it's it's just it's a really it's a really just kind of half pregnant situation because you've you have uh drafted quarterbacks in the third and second rounds of the past two drafts. That's two really good football players that could be helping you right now. If you were gonna really make one last run at it, boy, would you like to have two good a second and a third round pick if you made a good choice, right? Mm-hmm. Boy, boy, do you need help in your offensive line and in your secondary in particular? Um, but that's what they did. And so the writing's on the wall. I mean, this is it for Tannehill. Um, is it is it possible that if things go really bad for this team that they could look to move him at the deadline. Is there a team out there? I mean, the team that comes to mind for me is the Jets, right? Like, sure. are the Jets really going to try to go through this season with Zach Wilson with everything else they have? I don't know. But Tannehill this year, it's been really interesting, too, because he, to me, was the reason they lost the opener at New Orleans. Derrick Henry was 
going wild. He looked great. The defense was dominating. And Tim Kelly schemed up two absolute layup touchdowns, and Tannehill missed them and missed other throws and threw three – it was it was atrocious. So I'd give – I'd say it was an F performance. The next week, he basically almost played a perfect game against the Chargers. <laughs> I mean, he did not throw an errant pass. He had four incompletions. It was like two drops, a batted screen, and Traylon Burks fell down on, a, on another on-target throw. Every throw he threw was on target. And he was fantastic. And they, again, 27 points for the Titans is like, I don't know, I guess it's like 110 points for the Dolphins, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's completely Jekyll and Hyde with him. Last week, he had no chance to do anything. Tannehill is a good quarterback. I mean, they, you know, if they were to figure things out up front with their defense and everything else, pretty good receivers. I mean, Hopkins is an ad that's a go-for-it ad. Mm. Now, then – Tannehill's, a, I mean, he's like a, he's right around the middle of the league. To me, he's in the same realm of a golf, a Cousins. He's, he's right there, Garoppolo, you know. Mm-hmm. But they've diminished so much around him. He, he had a Pro Bowl-level season in 2020 with a great offensive line. And Derrick Henry rushing for 2,000 yards, et cetera, et cetera. A.J. Brown kind of miss him around here, you know. Yeah. Um, but regardless, they are moving on from him. And then we'll see. But, I mean, Will Levis. You know, Malik Willis is here, too. If you don't get better around the quarterback here, in particular, give them protection, it doesn't matter. Tannehill gives me – I've been covering the Bengals for 14 years, so the majority of those were covering Andy Dalton. Big Dalton vibes. Put guys around him. Put good guys around him, and and he can get you where you want to go. But he's he he. If you don't have that, you you know, you know what it's going to look. It's not going to be enough. And uh, but that that said, and that's a perfect example of of when it was around him. I mean, the the yards per attempt uh, and the efficiency of the offense just a few years ago proved that he can make it work. Um, The question, really, to me, in the the key in this game is like. Luana Rumo has seemed to have a way of rattling him and 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 confusing him in into throwing picks. They have history. Obviously, Zach Taylor was with Tannehill in Miami. They know him really well. And it's looked like they are a defense that knows him really well when they've played him. And it's to me, it's Sunday is so much going to be about will Tannehill give you one or two again? Um, because they they've seemed to find a way to to do that against him, particularly if you think you have an offensive line um, that's going to struggle. I, I want to talk about the defensive side of the ball for Tennessee, though. You know, Simmons is an absolute monster. There's no debating that, and that's always a bad matchup for the Bengals, even though they feel like they're better in there. Where's their secondary at right now? Um, you know, the full complement is showing up with with Jamar Chase and and, and T Higgins and Tyler Boyd and and. They're going to give those guys chances to win on the outside. They, they haven't been able to hit explosive plays this year. Um, so if they get chances, uh, they're going to go for it. What is, is Tennessee's secondary solid enough uh, to hang with these guys, or is that a concern? That's a great question. I, I mean, on paper, it is. When you consider you know, the best uh, possible performance from each guy, it is. But I, I'd say – maybe as disappointing – I mean, Christian Fulton may be as disappointing a player as the Titans have this year. And, of course, he's in a contract year. They did not extend him. And, you know, look, he'd, he had played 30 of 50 possible regular season games coming into this season, largely because of soft tissue injuries, which Mike Vrabel called him a repeat offender after last season. He, he and David Long 
basically putting it on them that they're not doing whatever you need to do to try to avoid that stuff. So Christian Fulton like changed everything, got a new trainer and everything. And in the first, I think it was early in the second quarter of the opener, he pulls the hammy. And it's just like, uh, after a great camp and a healthy, it, when at his best, Christian Fulton is a, he's not an elite corner, he's not a great corner, but he's a number one cornerback. And he's a guy who, well, obviously, there's some familiarity between those guys, mm-hmm. as, you know, uh, as we've all talked about at times in the past. He's a guy who you feel like, okay, can to some extent compete with Chase in some moments, you know, but he's been, it's been bad. And he was really bad last week. You know, Sean Murphy Bunning, new corner. He's, I think he's a pretty good player. Roger McCreary, second year slot corner, is a good player. He's he, He's been very good. And, you know, the safeties tandem, Again, not long ago, I would have put Kevin Byard and Monty Hooker up there with a lot of safety tandems in the league. They're still good for sure, uh, at times very good. But just the whole thing, last week, uh, they made Deshaun Watson look great. I'm, look, Deshaun Watson, good for him for like having a breakout game. But his two touchdown passes were to guys he could have punted to, you know, because of <laughs> mistakes in the back end. So. Yeah. It's it's been very disappointing. I, I think the secondary was probably the second biggest question after the offensive line. Once they signed DeAndre Hopkins, now you figure they they've got pretty good receivers now, mm. uh, and it's been it's been a real problem for the most part. Uh, gave up huge plays in the New Orleans game, a miscommunication, free touchdown for Keenan Allen against the Chargers. So it's that part of this team should be better and if they don't make a dramatic turnaround this week then it's going to get potentially ugly sunday yeah um one thing i you know to keep a look on is going to be they're, they're going to try to find ways to work slot fades to higgins against mccreary i mean that's just going to be the ultimate matchup they're going to want to try to find they've they've tried to do that against cleveland and and credit cleveland grant delpit found a way to make a play but They've tried to do that a couple of times this year, and McCreary's the obvious target when you have a potential uh, size advantage. They did sure. it last year. They tried to attack Higgins up top on the outside and, and were able to get one that really made, made the difference in the game. I'd look to see more of that potentially again, but I, that that would be you know their only way to try to scheme up some explosives because they've been unable to do it we do the limitations with burrow but it's going to be another fascinating game i know everyone's excited to get down to nashville uh and uh and and stay away potentially for a couple of minutes from lower broadway we, we we're better than this let's be the next <laughs> level uh, you know Bengals fans need to come down there and be a little next level and not just go into the tourist traps so uh i look for i'm in the gulch i'm good down there right i like uh i like some of the yeah. stuff down there so gulch is I, great man gul- the gulch is great so i found my little honey hole down there the little uh peg leg pork place yeah right? you fantastic. know fantastic uh I've, I've, I've that's some of the best i've ever had so that's, that's my spot down there so if you're i feel like i, I feel like I, I i win the non-tourist uh the non-tourist award maybe a little bit on that one that's solid and now you got to meet up with you at the peg leg poker for the Bengals fan so yeah there you, there you go. i should have been quieter so i don't want any lines i don't want any lines down there, exactly so. it's gonna be like taylor swift you're gonna be sworn <laughs> yeah. for autographs that's man. exactly what it's like that's exactly what it's like hanging out with me all right joe i appreciate it we'll see you this weekend and i appreciate your time all right thanks paul appreciate it man all right great catching up with joe thanks for him coming in and giving us some time i got the, we did the good trade dave i went on his he has a radio show every morning from six to nine uh, down there in Tennessee, I did that show. He did this one. It was it was a nice equal trade. It's what you want. You want win win. That's that's <laughs> a that's a company win win right there. 
Yeah. Well, Joe is fantastic. So he getting is. him on here is is awesome. Yeah. Love loved catching up with him in that three years in a row. And and you can get his he sounds a little bit like a guy who's like, Can we move on from the Tannehill era? <laughs> you know, I kind of feel like if, if you're in the sports talk, like how long has he been beating those? Shouldn't they move on from Tannehill topic? You gotta feel like that's come up. How many times between six and nine Monday through Friday for over the last three years? Yeah. Well, we we lived it here with one Andy Dalton. I mean, you kind of hit a ceiling with these guys. And if it's not getting past that, it's time to try something else. And they've drafted quarterbacks the last two years. So a lot of familiar topics, a lot lot of familiar feel to the current Tennessee Titans in that like 17, 18 Cincinnati Bengals where it's like, are you trying to keep the band together here? And and is you really building around this guy? I mean, there's just a lot of feels like new blood is is needed down there in Tennessee, and they might be forced into that direction. You know, some people say, well, the the Bengals kind of broke them last year uh, when they were okay; they were right there in the mix uh, at the at the midway point of last season. I mean, in in a great spot, the Bengals go down there and beat them, and they never won again. Yeah. I mean, they lost. They went. Bengals went twenty to sixteen without Jamar Chase, and then they never won again. They scored twenty two points the next week against the Jags, and then never crossed sixteen again after that. And it just all fell apart for them. And that's why I was surprised that they kind of re upped. Yeah, it felt like they were. That was the ultimate. Hey, blow it up, move it on. You got a new GM in here. Everybody needs to be done with it but they're kind of going in again they've still got henry they've got old man hopkins now they got Tannehill still just feel like they're kind of doing the same old thing except with worse pieces uh around so i don't you know we'll we'll see i, I will break down this game here in a second um let's do some Bengals growler bet dave i want to you know get into this we still have no winners last week spangles growler bet was a, a re-up on the passer rating the time we weren't sure who was going to be the quarterback said Browning, if Burrow plays, what's the passer rating going to be? Burrow's passer rating ended up 59.8, second worst of his career, only behind the one in Cleveland. Um, nobody was near that. Even for Jake Browning, the expectations were higher than that uh, for yeah. the most part. Uh, so uh, no winners, although I did have one headline in my email that I wanted to shout out, William Jacob, who sent me a Growler bet CZ Cavs 2.0 shout out <laughs> the Randy Bullock incident, which I can't believe I <laughs> haven't had Randy Bullock on the show to talk about Cavs and CZ Cavs. Oh. Uh, one of my favorite, one of my favorite moments in uh, Bad Bengals uh, history, <laughs> the CZ Cavs Joe Burrow debut game where we had to find a reason why he would miss that kick. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe an R Bullock. This would have been the perfect week. R Bullock no longer with the Titans, but was. Yeah. Could talk about the Titans. Could talk about CZ Cavs. You blew it. Just admit you blew it. No question. Yeah. Once again, it's because I phoned it in. It's the yeah. lack of preparation. You didn't, you didn't it's prepare. these disjointed practices, Dave. Yeah. It's the problem. Uh, so Bengals growler bet this week. Let's do this. Let's go with. Derrick Henry yards per carry. Is Derrick Henry washed? Is the offensive line washed? Is are, are the Bengals going to have success again? The Bengals in the playoff game allowed Henry to go 20 times for 62 yards. Last year, 17 times for 38 yards. That's 3.1 and 2.2 yards per carry, unbelievably, against Henry. 
Haven't seen a lot of teams do that. That's two of his 10 worst yards per carry games in his career where he's had at least 15 carries. I mean, they've just had a way with him. Um, Are they going to be able to do that again? Is that something they should expect? You tell me, hashtag Bengals Growler Bet on Twitter, or just send me an email, pdater at theathletic.com. With the word growler somewhere in the headline or in the subject header, if you make me laugh in it, I will, or make me happy, or even make me really sad, then I will give you a <laughs> shout out on this show. You just, you just want extreme emotion out of it. Yeah, as long as make for. me yeah. feel something, make me not be dead inside. <laughs> it's hard. No, well, it's hard to do. Talking about challenge. calves a lot. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so on on that note, Dave, what is your yards per carry Bengals growler bet prediction? I think he'll get decent yardage, and by that I mean maybe in the sixties. But it's going to take a lot of carries. He's they've got a couple issues on the line. I think Skaronsky's out with an exploded appendix. Another thing we know a lot about here. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go with like a like a two point nine. Like he gets volume, but he just you know isn't really busting off runs. I don't even think it's on Henry. I still think he's got gas in the tank. I just think the Bengals have his number. And I think he's just in a situation that teams are just going to stack up on him and try to shut him down. When you hear Joe Rexrow talk about this could arguably be the worst offensive line in the league, I think we saw Monday night what the Bengals can make that look like. Yeah. Um, And to me, I mean, to me, this is about Derrick Henry not breaking free one time. Because this is what we saw last year. He catches the screen and gets some space, and it's trouble. I mean, Mm -hmm. they've done such a good job of not letting him get to the second level. I mean, maybe he gets two or three, um, but staying disciplined and and getting enough penetration to not let him turn into the runaway train that he can be has been why they've been so good. I think he maybe gets out once. You know, yeah. I, 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 that just feels inevitable and they're going to try to make it happen. You know, I, you'd be worried. Tajay Spears has been a nice, you yeah. know, a, a nice little touch for them opposite. So maybe, maybe he gets one, but, but I'll put Henry at three, four. I think it's unrealistic to think you're going to two him again. If they do, then that'd be unbelievable for them. But uh, I'll put him at 3.4 will be my guess. But you, if you can get it right, if you can hit it right on the nose, then some delicious 50 West beer can be yours at our next live event. So get your uh, get your submissions in. Okay, on top of that, I want to run past your boot. Next run past your boot. This one came from uh, I Am Stan, uh, who, like me, is a scuffling Everton fan. Mm. It, that's the only way we can be described anymore is scuffling it's, potentially scuffling slash potentially relegated is like the only way you can yeah. lead in the word Everton anymore. I, I think my favorite word that you hear on broadcast is shambolic. Yeah. The, the, the British broadcasters like to say things are shambolic and I would say yeah. things are pretty shambolic with Everton these days. They are. It's ugly. Uh, I won't go there, but uh, he's uh, <laughs> run past or boot. Uh, we hire Mixon rushing yards, Henry rushing yards, or Chuck Sizzle return yards. Hmm. You know, Chuck Sizzle has has given a little bit of juice 
uh, to this punt return game. You, you've seen him obviously with the ret- the big return, but he had a few last week that that had a little bit of uh, potential, and, and so maybe maybe he could get up there. I, I, I let's um, what do you what would you run with? What do you run pass or booting there, Dave? I'm gonna run with Charlie Jones. Really, I think he, I think he maybe gets gets a big one, and I'm gonna pass. On Mixon, I think he also will get volume and will probably be okay. I'm just not sold that Henry's going to have a big day. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to say that Charlie gets loose a couple times, and you can get big chunks when you're getting a nice kick return or punt return. So I I wonder about Mixon's usage. I think they, they again, they want to lean more into Joe Mixon, but it hasn't been efficient enough. The Titans do a good job of stopping the run. They do have a big kind of nasty front. Jeffrey Simmons at the head of that. And I think you can see more of that extension of the the quick passing game being them that their running game a little bit. More of Chase on the outside, more of the, the quick hits as a way to have set, you know, check downs and take advantage of, you know, they're, they're smaller. They're not as good at tacklers necessarily on the outside. Although McCreary tackles really well for a small guy, but like they've, they've got, they're, they're not huge. Do you feel like that's can be an advantage for you? Certainly more so than running right at number 98. Yeah. Um, and so for that reason, I'm hesitant on mixing here. And, and I, and I like where your head's at with Charlie Jones return yards. And I do think there will be some punts to be fielded. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, I'll, I'll, I'll run with Mixon and pass on Henry and I'll boot Chuck sizzle, but I'm with you. This is a good one. This is a good one for my am stand. I think that could be decided, but I just think I, I worry about use. It feels like another, just like yeah. the first two weeks, 13 for 60 for, for Joe yeah. mix and, and, but a little bit more of the underneath passing game on, on the outside rather than them going full lead. But if they get a lead, they get a lead it could look just like last week where his numbers get up there pretty quickly but as you've said if they're not snapping from under center and going out of shotgun all the time that limits some things mm. we'll see but yeah if they do get a lead that kind of changes things but change you, you'll be apologizing to me after the two charlie jones punt return touchdowns why is it got to be a, it's not about me versus you why is it got to be <laughs> like me needing to apologize i'm not affronted I by know. your opinion I, like, I, i'm tr- I'm trying to get an emotion out of you right now. Great. <laughs> you did. You did. You just made me high pitch. All right. That's, so that's I felt something. That's what you said something. you wanted. I do. This should be, that should be our new segment. Dave tries to provoke emotion <laughs> for me. That's, that's what I need. Breathe life, breathe some life into me. Uh, the paddles, yeah. so to speak. Uh, all right. Uh, prediction time before we get to Arby's. I, I I look at this game, Dave. Do you have a prediction for this game, whether in result or something that you think will for sure happen? I feel like it's going to be similar to the Rams game and what I said last week, and it turned out that way, is I think it's going to be another game the Bengals' defense steps up, and I think it's going to be fairly low scoring. So I'm going to go with like a like a 21-17 Bengals. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. like that. Um. The Bengals are the better team by a long shot. I mean, the, the Titans have holes. Cleveland made that apparent last week. Of course, Cleveland did the same thing to Cincinnati. I mean, the only time we've seen you know, the Titans through two games, 
or through three games, I should say, have been pretty dreadful offensively in two of them. And the other one was against whatever Brandon Staley's doing with the Chargers defense. Mm. Um, and they managed three touchdowns in that one. That said, the Bengals only have three touchdowns this year as well. And, and so, but I, I think it's more plausible for the Bengals to successfully find some offense here. And I, I look for T. Higgins to have a big day. I think the size matchups I mentioned talking with Joe about trying to find ways to get him on McCreary and throw it up, you know, and take advantage of those, the the smaller corner or get anybody on Christian Fulton yeah. in a one-on-one. Uh, I, I think there, I think there's a sizable advantage to be had there and they have confidence after last, the last couple of weeks in their line to protect and this not turn into nine sacks Tennessee situation they're better that way and and I think they learned from last week and the expectation is Burrow maybe can do a couple more extra things that can create an explosive play and find a way to get enough and then move into the field position let the defense carry you the rest of the way thing that they kind of need these few weeks to be I just think that they're more built to do that. But so the Bengals have played down in Tennessee each of the last two years. They won in the playoff game 19 to 16. They won last year 20 to 16. And I'm nothing but a pattern man, Dave. Mm. I'm just I'm just out here trying in space, trying to find anything that makes sense. All right. So 21 to 16 is going to be my answer on this wow. one. And if they just keep playing the Titans every year, they'll just keep adding one point versus 16. <laughs> Is 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 my theory. These things come in threes, so three I touchdowns feel- equal their touchdown total for the season. Three you touchdowns went, in Tennessee. You went one point off of me. Is this like a Price Is Right type deal? Or you I just- already had it. Well, I already had this. Is that was already written mine. down? Don't make this about you. Yeah, I think there was more rage when I said mine, and you're like, it's just like mine. Yeah, I know. I was kind of mad actually. I just thought maybe you'd be a little, <laughs> or more, we're just more of a free um, thinker. Or it's just hard to argue with our expertise on this. I mean, it pretty much has to be right there. Which only assures that the score will be four to three. Or 54, 52. <laughs> that I will not be that. <laughs> Hammer the under. Four uh, to three dude. would be amazing, though. Yeah. What if I just want it now? Yeah. Four to three would be the best. Yeah. It's funny. I was talking, I was talking with Evan McPherson about how. Going to Tennessee has to be a moment for him, right? Like every time mm-hmm. now, just to go back to that day when he got kissed by Joe Burrow. Yeah. Uh, and he, you know, he, yeah, I mean, it is, but because that's been a place, it's just a, it's a spot for him. And he likes the new turf they have down there. It says just like the SoFi turf, which he said was maybe one of his favorite surfaces to kick on. Which, um, which, by the way, the other great reunion will be Ted Karras going back in WWE style after his exit last year. Right up yours, Tennessee. <laughs> uh, one of the, maybe the most amazing video I've ever seen yeah, from so a, from a post game. It's on. I, I, I'm not going to lie to you. In 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 this week's segment in Paul's unrequited <laughs> feelings of stories, he w- once wanted to do and didn't. Uh, I really wanted to do just like an instant one year oral history of the Ted Karras right up yours, Tennessee video. Yeah. Like it's just so good. 
It's so ridiculous. It's just ridiculous in every way, shape, and form. And then it got caught on camera, and he didn't even re- even realize it was going to get caught. <laughs> he was so enraged. Wanted to find like some Tennessee fan who had just gotten told up yours by a Bengals player and that, what it did to them. <laughs> you know, it's, it's so WWE. Yes, it's great. It's it is. just great. Uh, so anyway, so there's there's that. Uh, Arby's to wrap us up. I. I've got, I have two, one for myself, one by request. Um, Dave, I had somebody ask, uh, Paul, will you do a follow-up interview with AJ McCarron to get the details behind him signing this past week? And I've got, I've had people ask me, like suggest I was his agent (laughs) and like I was getting, getting him on or something like that. That was, it was not the case. Okay. Now. Maybe or maybe not, I became aware of the situation, okay, when we talked. <laughs> but this wasn't me, like, saying to A.J. McCarron, hey, I'm going to connect you with the Bengals or telling the Bengals, hey, what if you heard the podcast? I, again, we like to think that, the, of course, the Bengals first listen after any game is is to our podcast or during the week. They they don't They never miss one. Uh, but I'm not, I'm not going to take so much credit as to say that 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 was the reason uh, that it happened. I just will say it was comfortable timing, just nice. It was just nice timing. <laughs> That's all it was. So sometimes uh, these things can fall together if you're doing your homework. Uh, all right, I have one uh, on. They did. I mentioned they do the walkthrough in the uh, indoor facility mm-hmm. uh, 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 late on Wednesdays. After these Monday night games to help them get their legs back. Well, some there's a there there's a couple of golf carts that players have access to. There's Joe Burrow gets one because he gets one, and uh, there's an offensive player of the week cart and a defensive player of the week cart. Those are the ones, and then obviously equipment and some people like that have some. Uh, but everybody else gets on like the bus and goes the like block down the road so they don't have to walk it. <laughs> but anyway. So you, but you see some people come in the cart, and I saw, I saw. Oh, here comes the defensive player of the week cart, and there was two or three people on it, and one person was driving it, and I didn't know who the. I was like, oh, I'm curious who the defensive player of the week was, and BJ Hill was driving it. I thought, oh man, wow, they must have thought BJ. I mean, he had a good game, but I would have thought it would have been Hendrickson or Logan Wilson with two interceptions mm-hmm. or something like that. So I went up to BJ in the locker room afterwards. And I said, I saw you driving the defensive player of the week cart. Did you win defensive player of the week. He goes, Oh hell no, I stole it. <laughs> so don't go by you see somebody driving one of these player of the week cards don't necessarily think uh that they that they earned that that apparently if you're someone like bj you're just gonna steal that cart yeah. okay because you don't want to ride that bus just and i get took, it took matters into his own hands i like it look at me defensive player of the week coming your way he had a sack i mean no question had a nice game had i i was gonna buy it for a second maybe there was a lot of stuff i didn't see i just Um, i like the thought of like uh logan wilson or trey hendrickson or dax hill just standing all lonely and confused back at wherever you get on the cart (laughs) (laughs) like what happened here where's the cart staring at an empty golf cart and just refusing to walk at that point because bj hill yelling drive it like you stole it at the people (laughs) on the the, near the ohio river yeah i love it uh all right uh that'll wrap us up Everybody enjoy your time. Be safe uh, if you are heading down to Nashville or just have a great weekend. 
Um, we will, of course, have the walkout for you coming uh, coming your way after the game on Sunday. It'd be nice to get a Sunday at 1 or Sunday at noon if you're on Central Time. Uh, but we have a nice to have a Sunday at 1 uh, for us to, to bring all that stuff your way. So keep an eye out for that and keep it locked to The Athletic. Um, get your subscription now if you want to. Deal's still going on. Get in while you can. You're not going to be there anymore. <laughs> and uh, so we'll talk to you later. Have a good one, everybody.